Thanks for clicking play on the latest episode of the Iowa Revolution podcast. I am Spencer Dirks alongside Dr. Bob Leonard. How are you doing, Dr. Bob? I'm doing great. Thank you. Make sure to follow us on Substack. You can subscribe to our email, so you'll get this podcast delivered to your email every Wednesday morning or whenever we decide to record and release the podcast, but typically every Wednesday morning. You can also follow us on Twitter. We're at Iowa Revolution. We're also Iowa Revolution on Facebook. It's a box elder day. Box elder bugs are all over the place, Dr. Bob. I haven't noticed. Yeah. All yeah. over at the radio station as I was walking in the library, had all sorts of box elder bugs flying around. One of those beautiful mid-October days. They just burst to life. I guess I haven't noticed that I've been sort of in a dream world all day. I was. I actually just saw you driving the other day, and I waved at you, which I always do, but you never notice. It's like you're always somewhere else. I'm always somewhere else. Yeah. There's a party in my head. Yeah, your brain is just swimming all the time. Yeah, yeah it is. And sometimes it's hard on the computer because I'll, I'll think I've got to do something <laughs> and then I'll get distracted and get sucked in. I am so sucked into different things. Well, we got a lot of stuff to discuss today. So hopefully we get you sucked into all sorts of different topics. Uh, we'll go Iowa coast to coast. Todd Dorman had a piece in the Cedar Rapids Gazette. The Linmar School District has been national news here over the past couple weeks because they're trying to teach their children to be nice and accepting of others. So we'll discuss his latest piece. Also from Bleeding Heartland, uh, the Iowa Republicans got their trifecta in 2016 and they went about defunding Planned Parenthood, said that it would actually make care better, more local. And guess what, Dr. Bob? Things got worse. Things got worse. Uh, we'll also have plenty of caucus news. Caulk talk today. Attorney General Brenna Byrd has officially endorsed Donald Trump. And he was in Iowa. He's been Iowa in Iowa the last several weeks. He was at the Dallas County Fairgrounds uh, this past week. So we'll discuss his trip. Also uh, from NBC News, we'll take a wider scope. Um, journalism in general has taken a hit over the past oh, 10, 20 years. There's just not as many newspapers, period, as there was in the past. And there's a very scary newspaper or news publication that's trying to and successfully taking over some of those empty pockets. So we'll discuss that. We'll also discuss ghosts. We've got two top five lists today, Dr. Bob. We have the top five Iowa cities where you're most likely to see a ghost. We'll discuss whether or not you believe in ghosts. And also, John Irving made a trip to Iowa City, his old stomping grounds at the Iowa Writers' Workshop. And then we'll end things with top five soups. Although it's a little warm today. Doesn't okay. quite feel like soup weather. but Not quite. Maybe this enough. morning. That's right. Yeah, this morning, cold. yeah, we had a little bit of frost this morning, actually. So we will start off with uh, Todd Dorman's piece in the Cedar Rapids Gazette. So we're having a big school board election in the Linmar Community School District. Maybe you've heard of us. The school district Republican politicians love to hate. Linmar's support policies for transgender and non-binary students caught a lot of hell during the last election cycle. Shame on the district for trying to comply with state and federal law while keeping marginalized kids safe at school. Governor Kim Reynolds used Linmar's policy to promote publicly funded scholarships for private school students, costing billions of bucks over the next decade. U.S. Representative Ashley Henson, whose kids go to Linmar, accused the district of, quote, helping kids change gender. Fact check, false. Republican presidential candidate Mike Pence called Linmar's policy, quote, crazy in a nationally televised Republican debate. He also accused the school of creating, quote, gender transition plans. Again, that's not happening. You can't let the truth ruin some great fear mongering. Eight candidates are vying for four seats on the board. Three of the candidates, Kevin Slayman, Tom Law, and Laura Steffick, have been endorsed by our favorites, Moms for Liberty. That's the group that spearheaded the legislative push to remove books depicting sex acts from schools, to ban any mention of LGBTQ identity in grades K through 6, to deny transgender kids the use of their preferred bathrooms and locker rooms, and deny them gender-affirming health care, even with their parents' permission. Quote, there is a perception problem we have with Moms for Liberty, Slayman said in a brief interview. He sees it as simply a group of moms concerned about their children's education. Wow. It's just incredible to me how far the 
leaders of the Republican Party and a lot of the constituents have fallen. It's just like no lie is, you know, no lie is beneath them. I mean, it's just they have to have what they seek are, are oh, red herrings, whipping boys, uh, just straw men. They just sort of create this caricature that has a grain of truth in the sense that they're trying to accommodate trans kids. By state law. By state law. And then they turn it into this giant thing we all have to be afraid of. And they do, it's a pattern for everything that they, they do. And it's just, you'd think people would catch on to it, but this is part of the problem of not having you know a lot of newspapers across the country. But that's no excuse for Ashley Henson. There's, Gazette is there. I mean, it's just She's a purposeful. former reporter herself. Yeah, it's just purposeful. So is Carrie Lake. I mean, it's just, yeah, there's no scruples. There's no honor. There's no dignity. There's, yeah, there's nothing left of that in our Republican leadership. Well, and they just attached on to Linmar and that specific issue because, and as Todd Dorman said in his article, because they wanted to take that public money and give it to private schools. They didn't really care what was going on at Linmar. It could have been any public school across the state. Just so happens that Linmar is a very large school district that probably has a little bit more cachet than you know some small rural district. But if a small rural district was doing it, they would have used them the same way as they use Linmar. It's just they're just using them to advance their own agenda. Yeah, and it's just sad. It's just sad. And then kids are stuck in the middle. Like there's actual kids at Linmar schools and across the state that are right now being damaged by their policies. Well, and the thing is that they act like there's this trans craze. I've heard that from a local legislator, that there's this trans craze. Well, no, there isn't a trans craze. Trans people have been around forever. Yep. Just now they felt a little bit of freedom. They wanted to be a paid attention to and what do they do they smack them down it's like you know when it used to be that left-handers were you know they had to tie their hands behind their backs and left-handers were seen as you know some kind of association with the devil and so sinister itself is refers to left-handedness yeah yeah and so was there a craze of left-handedness? No, there were always left-handers. They were just oppressed. Right, and they just, were allowed to be themselves. Right. And, oh, now, yeah, the devil's got his hand in all of our schools because we went from no lefties to 10% lefties. Yeah, whatever it is naturally. And so it's the same thing with trans. And so they're using these kids and, uh, you know, and their parents and the medical profession, you know, to, to, for their nefarious ends, to scare people. And things are different. Things are different when you, you know, I don't know when I first met my trans, per, my first trans person, but my reaction wasn't fear. My reaction was, tell me more about who you are. Same. And why you would do this. It certainly didn't look like a conscious choice to me. It looked like this was who they were. And essentially every trans person since then has a different story. And and they're they're just people. And you know, and they want to act like there are only two genders we've known for a long time. They're that that gender is more complex, that biology is more complex. There's two percent inner inner sex babies born where they have to make the decision and or just let the baby be, you know, just you know, all kinds of hard decisions have to be made about health and they're with the doctor and and with the family and maybe their spiritual advisor or whatever, but no, you've got to demonize them, portray them as evil, and what's wrong with society, and these wacky liberals doing all of this stuff. It's, yeah, it's, it's pandering to the most ignorant of us all. Yeah, people that wouldn't give them the time to understand things more. They don't understand it, therefore it's not worthy of existing. Right, they're not curious. Right, they're not. They're not. They're not interested in saying, "Tell me more." They're interested in demonizing them. Right, to make themselves feel comfortable, like they're in the right. Everybody likes to be right, but it's when it's hurting other people, 
your right to be right, you probably need to re-examine where you're coming from. Exactly. And sort of along the same lines, talking about health care from Bleeding Heartland, when Iowa Republicans gained the trifecta following the 2016 elections, defunding Planned Parenthood was near the top of their agenda. GOP legislators promised a new state-funded family planning program would increase access to reproductive health care and give women more options, especially in rural Iowa. The latest official data, first reported by the Des Moines Register's Michaela Rahm, show the program has flopped. In just five years, the number of Iowans receiving services such as contraception, pregnancy tests, pap smears, and testing or treatment for some sexually transmitted infections dropped by 90%. I'll repeat that. It's dropped by 90% compared to the population served during the last year of the previous Medicaid waiver. The number of health care providers involved is down by a staggering 97%. 97%. The Iowa Department of Health and Human Services has done almost nothing to promote the program, even as enrollment has crashed. The reality could hardly be more different from the scenario Republicans described in 2017, quote, connecting folks with their home health care, end quote, for essential services by taking Planned Parenthood's mostly urban clinics out of the equation. Well, the patriarchy strikes again, you know. The well, the thing is, they lied. This yeah, is what they, they wanted. Right. This is exactly, the result is what they wanted. Right. People to not have access to contraception, for people to not have access to abortions, for people to not have access to STI testing. They got what they wanted. They just lied to people up front and said, it's going to be better. Right. Knowing no. all, the, all along that it was not going to be better. And you have to ask, why do they want that? Why do they want all of these things? Because they want, this sounds sort of crazy, but... Part of the patriarchy is having people under your control, especially women, have control over their health care decisions, ultimately so, because part of it is, you know, part of the biblical um, instructions to go forth and multiply, and in part so that you can spread, you know, it's easier to convince people of your ideology if they're raised in it. And so they want to do this to promote their religion and ideology. That's what the patriarchy does. This isn't a condemnation of it. It's what it is and what it does and why. And you can condemn it if you want. I'm just being logical. Right. This is what it does. And it, it also helps. So it helps get more adherence to the philosophy, more people ideologically involved. And then also it gets people, uh, plenty more people, to work in the mills of capitalism. Yeah. And because that's what they want. Yeah, they know that these children, if they're born out of wedlock, if they are not in a two-parent household, they're probably less likely to grow up and go to college and maybe have a, you know, quote-unquote professional career. And they don't want people to grow up and have a professional career. They're the business titans of the state. They want those people working on farms and in restaurants and at McDonald's and at Walmart so they can continue to just exploit them basically right and this is why micros oh stuff about jobs and the anti-college stuff drives me nuts mm -hmm. i mean if somebody doesn't want to go to college you know don't go to college go to trade school or whatever but don't tell kids that college is a terrible idea and they always talk about the costs of college well college shouldn't cost so much but in the long run it ends up paying mm -hmm. and plus a good education is priceless exactly and so it's just, yeah, it's all part of this, this cycle of creating more of them and what they want and ultimately more profit for, you know, our corporate overlords. Well, then, of course, that was five, six years ago. And now the latest step is the six-week abortion ban. So this has been leading to this final step of basically outright banning abortion. So it doesn't matter if you have a Planned Parenthood or a community-based clinic that can provide these services because it will no longer be legal if that does go through, if it gets through the courts and is made law. Well, and there's, you know, one of the Republicans said the quiet part out loud is that the ultimate goal was to get rid of birth control. Right. I mean, and they've been saying that for years. Which is just absolutely nuts. But again, it's about having control over women's bodies. Right, and building a labor force. And then you have to do your best to destroy the public schools so that then that money 
goes into the private schools and then it matches the ideology. Why people, you can't pull any of this apart. You can't atomize it and try to understand it because it doesn't, none of this makes any sense if you look at any one piece of it. Right. The only way it looks, makes any sense in a bad way is when you put it all together and think it's all the same process. And then they'll be lying about, oh, this is good for kids, or this is good for health care, or this is good for whatever. You know, it's just... Well, and just imagine, this is... The Iowa Republicans have been unbelievably successful. They've kicked the Democrats' ass in every election since 2016. Kim Reynolds can basically do whatever she wants. She's beloved in the state of Iowa. The Republicans want to take Iowa, and Florida for that matter, because her and Ron DeSantis are two in the same, two peas in a pod, and they want to nationalize that. They don't want to have any public schools in the country. And they, they, say, want, to, oh, they want to outlaw abortion. Public schools. Oh, oh, this yeah. is for the babies. you know. Right. No, it's for their own power and money. The two go one and the same. So, speaking of assholes, this is from the Des Moines Register. We're getting into our cock talk portion of the Iowa Revolution podcast, some caucus news. This is from the Des Moines Register. Our favorite person, Iowa Attorney General Brenna Byrd, has, surprise, surprise, endorsed Donald Trump in the lead-up to the 2024 Republican caucuses. The high-profile endorsement comes as Trump continues a weeks-long Iowa blitz in his bid to cement his lead ahead of the caucuses. Quote, having your endorsement is such a great honor, Trump told Byrd, calling her, quote, one of the truly most respected people in all of politics, end quote. I just shot Dr. Baba side eye there. Byrd, who is serving her first term, has been aggressive in using her position to join lawsuits challenging President Joe Biden's Democratic administration on issues such as its student debt forgiveness plan, vaccine mandates, gun rights, and more. Byrd introduced Trump at a campaign stop in Adele, saying, quote, he will secure our border. Who supports that? He will fight the terrorists. He will fix the economy. He will stand up for agriculture and he will uphold our constitution and our way of life, end quote. In a statement, Byrd said she is, quote, proud to announce my endorsement of President Trump because Iowans know he is the only candidate who can defeat Joe Biden and bring prosperity back to America. Continuing, quoting, as I travel the 99 counties and meet with hardworking Iowans, it is clear President Trump is the true grassroots candidate who will respect all of us instead of special interests and political insiders. It's hard to even fucking say that. Yeah, it's hard not to laugh if it, it wasn't so scary. You know what I think she's auditioning for? The country's attorney general? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Why not? She'll be in there compliant, do what, do what he wants. Well, here's what's interesting to me is we've discussed several times on the podcast before, Kim Reynolds has all but officially endorsed Ron DeSantis. So what does this do between Kim Reynolds and Brenna Bird vis-a-vis Ron DeSantis versus Donald Trump. I'm thinking this I'm thinking that Reynolds doesn't endorse DeSantis. I think she'll eventually endorse whoever the nominee is. It's just well first Brenna Bird doing that sort of compromises the caucuses. Right. You know, it isn't a good idea to endorse before. I know people have before, but you know, um Jeff Kaufman, uh, chair of the Republican Party, said, you know, that they're going to just let it play out, you know, see who the nominee is. And Reynolds has said that, although she's waffled a little bit lately on it. But, no, it's, you know, she's auditioning for a role in Washington, D.C. She must be. There's no real political reason for her to do this other than for her own interest. There's nothing at this level for her to do that, unless this is to break the ice for Reynolds to endorse Trump. That's what I mean. I mean, does this mean that that some of these Republicans, because we talked about how right out the gate, DeSantis got Amy Sinclair's, you know, she's the president of the Senate, is she not? Yeah. Of the Iowa Senate. But they can flip-flop. You know, I talked to Amy, and she says that, you know, this is what she thinks is best for now, but we'll see what happens. There were like 36 Republicans that... Right, and it wasn't just her. It was a group of of senators and congresspeople from the state of Iowa. And we mentioned Kim Reynolds has been riding along on the DeSantis bus, not literally, but figuratively, since he's been hopping around the state. She's been buddy-buddy with him. 
Yeah. And I mentioned that Florida and Iowa are the model by which most national Republicans would like to lead the entire country. So it does seem like it's odd timing. And it's also like, what does an, an endorsement from Brenna Byrd mean? Nothing. No. I mean, it's not going to get him any extra caucus voters, nothing. It's not going to help him one bit. And, you know, he's just talking out the side of his mouth where he says, you're one of the most respected people in the country or in all of politics. It's like, you didn't even know who the hell she was until she endorsed you. Yeah, but that elevates her in the, in the minds of the people. And, and when he does appoint her to some high position, he set the stage for her. People right. don't didn't know her until he says that. And so he's acting like she's a hot shot so he can, you know, consider an appointment for her. Right. And for Brenna Byrd's part, she has nothing to lose because Donald Trump is such a popular figure in the Republican Party. Even if he loses the caucus or loses the nomination, it's not like people will go back and be like, oh, I'm not going to vote for her because she endorsed Trump. She has nothing to lose. Nothing. Unless it was with Reynolds. And I just don't, I don't think that she would... I'm sure she did this with the implicit permission of Reynolds. I agree. This is from KCCI. So kind of continuing on about Trump's trip in Iowa. So he was speaking on Monday at the Dallas County Fairgrounds. That's where this Brenna Bird endorsement happened as well. Trump spoke to a packed room of supporters on a stage in a livestock building decorated with bales of hay, pumpkins, and Iowa flags. It was his first event since a federal judge imposed a gag order on the former president. This is quoting Trump. Today, a judge put on a gag order. I'll be the only politician in history that runs with a gag order where I'm not allowed to criticize people. Can you imagine this? Do you believe this? I'm not allowed to criticize people, Trump said. Again, quoting. So we'll see. We'll appeal it and we'll see. But it's so unconstitutional, end quote. KCCI spoke to Iowa voters who attended the event and who have pledged a caucus for the former president. They said they appreciated the former president's visit Monday. Quote, this just gives you a taste that we're the heartland of America, Jerome Mould said. We're rural, yeah, but we also have a vote. It was typical rural Iowa. I grew up on a farm. I grew up showing cattle and horses, Sandra Shepard said. Quote, it was great. The setting was fabulous. Since October 1st, Trump has visited Ottumwa, Waterloo, and Cedar Rapids. He's expected to return to Northwest Iowa later this month in October. So, so quintessentially Iowa in this Trump rally. It's nothing. Well, there's nothing. I mean, Trump's rallies are one of a kind things. I mean, he has a bunch of them, but there's nothing Iowan about it. I mean, it's just all showbiz stuff. I mean, it was. I mean, it's oh yeah, I'm sure they were fake pumpkins that they got from you know yeah. Dollar Tree or whatever. It's, and, it's all fascinating. But it, it's also, how, why am I surprised it's more lies? The gag order doesn't prohibit him from criticizing President Biden, any exactly. of his other, you know, people that he's running against, seeking the nomination against it. It just doesn't allow him to threaten, the judge might even be left out of this, it doesn't let him threaten the, the staff of the judge, the prosecutor, pr- the prosecutor, the witnesses, the um, the jury, where you know, and he says it's unconstitutional. That's what happens in any other yeah, court case. Yeah, you're not. You can't just you know harass the people that are going to be witnesses against you or the people that are prosecuting you. If it was anybody but Trump, he would already be in jail for the things that he said. Well, and that's what makes it so ridiculous that Brenna Byrd, our attorney general, is endorsing a 91 count indicted former president because. The Republican Party is now beyond any conventional rules. Any, I'm not saying every Republican. I'm saying the Republican Party and its leadership now is beyond any rules. They don't care about the law. They certainly don't care about order. So it's all about power and, and breaking every rule, every convention, every law that you possibly can. And if you're lucky... You know, then they'll go to the conservative Supreme Court. That's the final right. arbiter. Yeah. And I mean, when we've got the Republicans are so out of it as we speak, Jim Jordan, <laughs> you know, just they might be, t- you know, doing the second count, but he's now in contention to be the Speaker of the House, the insurrectionist, the guy with allegations of, of covering over sexual abuse while he was a wrestling coach at, at, at Ohio, Ohio State. State. Yep. 
you know, all kinds of problems. And you know what? He has never passed a single bill. Right. Never. Never passed anything. He's a bomb thrower. He's a, a terroristic threat. And other Republicans are calling him that. Yeah. And he, apparently he was that in the in the Ohio legislature, too. And they want to elevate him? <laughs> apparently so. Mr. Disruption? Mr. Bomb Thrower? People? <laughs> the thing is, I can't even think of an actual, what you would call a moderate Republican that would be a good leader currently in the Republican House. No, they were all primary and lost. Right. So all they're left with are people like Jim Jordan. So he may be the best of the bottom of the barrel, but that's all they're left with is just a bunch of dudes, and they are all dudes, at the bottom of the barrel. Well, I mean, yeah, not all dudes. <laughs> I'm saying the people that, I mean, Steve Scalise, oh, that are McCarthy, being, yeah, I'm just saying people that are actually being considered. Yeah. See, so yeah, I know people like Elise Stefanik and Ashley Hinson. We have some of those Marionette Miller-Meeks. We have women that are in the Republican Party. I'm just saying... They're, not, well, the they're not, is, not going to elect any of those women as the Speaker of the House. It's because... Even though any one of those people I just named would probably be better than Jim Jordan or Steve Scalise. The moderates Maybe not Henson, but you get my caved. point. The moderates always cave. Yeah. And isn't it crazy that the Democrats are the ones that all of a sudden look like we are all together and on the same page and... Because we're always the party of dysfunction. You know, we can't get along amongst ourselves. And the Republicans have always kicked our ass because of that. Because they have always been the ones that stick together, follow the party line. You say, you vote the way I tell you to. Right. Yeah. Democrats have never been able to do that before. But now with Hakeem Jeffries, it seems like they are all on the same yeah, page. Yeah, he's been pretty remarkable. Yeah. And there's been some really good discipline. And, and it it used to be different. I mean, and it still is a little bit, but they're on most important things, they're together. But um, it's because the Democratic Party is a big tent party. Lots of different people, lots of different agendas. It's a blessing and a curse. Yeah. We're yeah inviting a lot of people with different viewpoints into the party, but it also makes it hard to govern and get everybody to vote the same way. And the Republicans are having a, a, some t trouble with this, given, you know, the the various speaker fights because their moderates were, you know, trying to resist the fringe, but now the moderates are caving right. to the six or seven Looney Tunes. Yeah, the people, people like Matt Gates and um, oh, who's the Marjorie Taylor Greene. Yeah. yeah, the nut job wing of the Republican Party or the further nut job wing of the yeah, Republican Party. They're all Party. nut jobs now. All right, uh, let's take a wider scope. This is from NBC News. I thought this was interesting. So in the run-up of the 2020 election, a small news organization saw an opportunity. The Epic Times, it's pronounced Epic, but it's E-P-O-C-H, the Epic Times, directed millions of dollars in advertising towards supporting President Donald Trump's campaign and published dozens of articles parroting his lies about the election, resulting in huge growth to its audience and its coffers. The strategy garnered criticism from fact-checking groups and got it banned from advertising on Facebook, but it ultimately paid off, putting the once-fringed newspaper on a path that perhaps only its leader, who claims to have supernatural powers, could have foreseen. Today, the Epic Times is one of the country's most successful and influential conservative news organizations. It's powered by Falun Gong, a religious group persecuted in China, which launched the Epic Times as a free propaganda newsletter more than two decades ago to oppose the Chinese Communist Party. Funded through aggressive online and real-world marketing campaigns and big-money conservative donors, the Epic Times now boasts to be the country's fourth-largest newspaper by subscriber count, this is in parentheses. Unlike most major newspapers, the Epic Times isn't audited by the two major independent collectors of circulation data. So we just have to go by what they're saying, which is probably not true. The nonprofit has amassed a fortune, growing its revenue by a staggering 685% in just two years to $122 million in 2021, according to the group's most recent tax records. Its editorial vision, fueled by a right-wing slant and conspiracy theories, is on display in recent reports on how, quote, January 6th Capitol Hill security footage challenges key narratives and, quote, meteorologists, scientists explain why there is, quote, no climate emergency. 
Its video series included documentary-style film alleging widespread vaccine injury and death and an expose of an alleged world government agenda to harm farmers, cull the population, and force survivors to eat bugs. Yeah, it's... uh... I've read it. I've watched it grow over the years, and it's worse than Fox News. It's just all, you know, totally. To me, it sounds like a Breitbart ripoff, pretty yeah, much. Yeah, it's, it's kind of like that. Only except has, worse, almost. Yeah, it has it has the appearance of, um, you know, being a legitimate newspaper. When you look at it, it doesn't look like one of the. Yeah, and that was just a snippet, of course, but I read more into yeah. it. Yeah, they do a great job of making it seem as though it's like on the same level as CNN or the New York Times, you know, that this is legit top-level original reporting when what? it's just going on Reddit and putting out the weirdest conspiracy theory you can find there. Well, I actually ran into one a reporter for the Epic Times in uh, Des Moines at the pro-Putin um, religious summit, whatever it's called, run by Bob Vanderplotz, and it was hard to talk with him because I wanted to ask him how do you make stuff up right but I didn't I'm still I'm still wanting to be respectful but it was really hard I'm glad I I don't know I should have just dug in and I just didn't it's tough to break it's, it's tough to call somebody a liar to their face well you're an Iowan born yeah. and bred you like you have manners yeah so but I I wish I would have dug in Said so I could have asked a better question. So explain me, explain to me what you do for the Epic Times and how do you do it? Exactly. What is a reporter for the Epic Times? Yeah, that's what I should say. And then once we established a reporter, I would should have got you know, we could have had some a better conversation. But that's you know you just learn. So this was at the Family Leader Summit. You said the yeah. Bob Vanderplots. Yeah, and I met him in a room. Um, where the uh, Vake Ramaswamy was having a a press gaggle. Okay. So, yeah. do you suppose most of the people that read the Epic Times realize that it's run by this controversial Chinese outfit? Yeah. I mean, yeah. Isn't yeah. that the Republicans' biggest enemy right now? That's all you hear Nikki Haley talking about in the commercials. Is we're yeah, I don't know about China. the group, but I would understand being against communist China. Sure, but. Yeah, what it's been birthed out of yeah. seems legitimate, but where, it seems now they just, well, it even said in the article, they saw an inroad to yeah. latch themselves onto Donald Trump, take his conspiracies, make them seem legitimate, and then make a bunch of money. Well, and I saw that a local newspaper person treated the Epic Times like it was a legitimate news source. Right. And so, and you know, and it's... <laughs> It's just this creeping craziness gets crazier and crazier. So, <laughs> You want to talk about ghosts? Sure. All right. According to a new survey, at least one in six Americans believe their house is haunted. The survey conducted by All Star Home also shows that more than two out of five Americans said they have experienced unexplained or unusual occurrences in their home. According to the survey, 42% of those that have responded said that they felt the presence of something or someone they couldn't see. Other strange occurrences include unexplained sounds like footsteps or voices, of which 37% said they have experienced, and seeing strange apparitions, of which 19% said they have experienced. The most commonly reported strange occurrence people said they experienced were strange sounds, followed by animals acting strangely and seeing ghosts or strange shadows. So first question, do you believe in ghosts, Dr. Bob? Have you ever had a ghost experience? Oh, I mean, <laughs> this is hard, you know, hard to express, but it's uh, when I worked on different Native American reservations in the Southwest, there was all kinds of things I didn't understand that they related to ghosts, but it's too long of stories to tell, but... Well, that's okay. You might be able to tell one, but that's one of the reasons why I brought this up because I knew about your experiences on the reservations and I would, I sort of assumed that that may have influenced the way that you thought about the spiritual side of things and how maybe there is a mixing between our world and the ethereal world. Well, as a scientist, I have to say that there's all kinds of things that 
I don't understand, but I think that a lot of things, there's a real explanation and that we should look for real explanations before we look for supernatural ones. <laughs> right. Um, so I guess I'll just say that. You know, there's all kinds of... Well, like, you know, like if my dog, you know, if I'm walking in the woods and, you know, the back of her neck bristles, all of a sudden... I, and the tail goes straight yeah, out. Yeah. I feel something, too. I mean, I, you know, you just feel things when the animals feel things. Right. And who knows what it is. It might have been, you know, they smell the baby bunny right. you know, walking. But I don't know, but we automatically, that kind of... That's a defense mechanism for us, is to get our hackles up, too. And so we are responding to stimuli that we don't understand and we're acting like it's something to be fearful of rather than to be something to understand. Exactly. Because most of the time, even when you watch these ghost hunter shows or whatever, there's a very simple expert. Uh, screw is loose on one of the vents <laughs> that right. runs through the house and that's what's causing this rattling or whatever the sound might be. So there's usually you know, 99% there's a very feasible explanation for this is exactly what's causing this. But sometimes there isn't really an explanation. Sometimes there are things that are just not easily, maybe not, not explainable, but not easily explainable by science. So well, it's, and it's also fun. I think people, people like being scared. People like watching horror movies. Halloween is a very popular holiday for a reason. People like to maybe think that, oh, maybe there is something out there. That's sort of, you know, hardwired into us yeah and you know and it's it's sort of a resistance to science too is that you know the but the but the consequence is is that if we don't think that there is a scientific explanation if we don't investigate it then we're down into you know down all kinds of odd paths like we're like i mean it can be you know we can believe without enough information and somebody you trust tells you a conspiracy theory or tells you that Trump is the is the second coming, then you're predisposed to those kinds of suggestions. Right. And so I think that we have to be careful and logical and scientific and and have an open mind. But at the same time, you know, I'll say there's all kinds of things I don't understand about the world. But that doesn't mean that it's a ghost. So you don't think, so you are against the idea that there may be some sort of limbo where people die and don't necessarily go somewhere else, that maybe something haunts them that they have to stay on earth in this apparition type form because they're stuck. You don't believe that that's the case. I have no evidence to suggest so. Same. But I still like to think that maybe... Well, in fact, we have a ghost. My my house was built in 1910. It's a very old house, and it creaks. And you know, sometimes the doors open on their own because things have settled. And so we have a ghost in our house. We've named him Steve, and we try to be as accommodating as we can with Steve. We try not to be scared of him. We just have a relationship with Steve, knowing that he shares this space with us, and he deserves to share that space space with us. And we don't want to tick him off. So is there anything wrong with that? No, I don't think there's anything wrong with that. I mean, that. we know I'm, that, like, it's a joke. Like, we know right. that it's not a ghost, but it's an explanation, a very fun, easy explanation for, oh, that door just opened, or our pets are staring at the wall for some reason, <laughs> you know. But this is, this is part of the scientific process, too. The, you know, in the origins of religions, you're seeking explanations for what's going on around you. Absolutely. You the Bible is filled with all yeah. these sorts of occurrences. So that's that, what you're trying that to That at that point could not be explained. There was no such thing as science really back then. So they had to have some sort of explanation why the sun rises in the morning and sets at night and what well, right, the stars but, are and, well, right, but that and was, even where your dead go. You know, like where they didn't, we still don't really know like where the soul goes. Never will know probably. But it is a way to sort of fill in those gaps of information that we don't have access to. Right, and there's always been science. I mean, at this core of science is common sense and, and looking, you know, trying to understand and explain. And those, are those original developments, you know, in early religions, animism and animatism and, you know, the different kinds of things that we saw, 
you know, life and and consciousness and everything was that was part of science. That was part of sure. trying to understand the world. Yeah, going back to the Greeks and the Romans and their various gods, it was that was their science. That's yeah. how they explained this is how things work. Yeah. There's thunder. There must be a god of thunder. Exactly. There, you know. Whatever. Yeah, they didn't know that there was positive and negative charges, and that's right. you know. But they're trying to understand and explain it, and they were, you know, and that was as we were, you know, gaining some control over technology, and you know, we created gods in our own image, you know. Then we, and there were many forces that we didn't understand, and so we would have a whole bunch of gods for everything we didn't understand, and goddesses, and. So I'll tell you this. So before we get to the top five Iowa cities where you're most likely to see a ghost, one of my favorite in-depths that you ever did, you did a show that was a public interest show, mainly news focused, but you actually spoke with a ghost hunter. Yeah. Do you remember that? It was the Iowa ghost hunter. I think they were maybe from Centerville is where they were based out of. But that was a creepy. They actually played recordings for yeah. you. Like they got like they got me. I'm not saying I believe they made me believe in ghosts. But they did make believe that something odd was going on. Right. And that, the man that I interviewed, he was very sincere. He wasn't right. like a charlatan He didn't seem like a, yeah, he did not seem like a hack or some guy that's just trying to do this to build people out of their money. He was, he did seem legitimately interested in helping people. Yeah. No, he was a good guy and just, you know, seeking to understand things that other people don't bother to try to understand. And so good for him. So here's the top five Iowa cities where you're most likely to see a ghost. Number five is Des Moines. It's had 18 ghost sightings. Number four is Burlington with 20. Number three is Fort Dodge with 21. Number two is Sioux City with 41 sightings. Number one, surprisingly enough, is Clinton, Iowa with 48 ghost sightings. One thing that I sort of noticed about these towns is they're all sort of like run down. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like besides Des Moines, Burlington, Fort Dodge, Sioux City, Clinton, it's like old river towns that are... They're in trouble. But it sort of makes sense, you know? Like kind of disparaged places would come up with different apparitions. Right. There's lots of bad things. And it's a dying town, too. Yeah, Yeah. and bad things have happened and murders and... Yeah, just... It didn't surprise me that those were the, the cities where you were most likely to see a ghost. A bit of good news before we get on to uh, the final top five of the Iowa Revolution podcast this week. This is from the Daily Iowan. Literary icon John Irving returned to Iowa City's writing community on Friday, this past Friday, where he was welcomed by a sold-out Hancher audience. At 81 years old, Irving still has several novels left to write. He said he has saved the shorter and easier ones for later in life. Irving has published 15 novels. He is a best-selling author and winner of the 1999 Academy Award for Best Adapted Screenplay for the Cider House Rules. He was a graduate student at the Iowa Writers' Workshop from 1965 to 67, where he was a student of Kurt Vonnegut. Irving then taught at the workshop from 72 to 75. Quote, as a student, to have Kurt Vonnegut as the first reader of my first novel was a gift I could not have imagined, and I felt very well supported here as a student, end quote. Irving said in an interview with the Daily Iowan ahead of his Hancher appearance. Yeah, I wish I could have seen that. He's an old wrestler, you know. That's right. I, the, I've only read one of his book books, and that was The World According to Garp. Mm-hmm. And that, wrestling was a big part of that book. The, yeah. the lead character, Garp, is a wrestling coach slash professor at a university. Yeah, he actually wrote one where one of the characters was a wrestler. I think it was called The Water Method Man. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, I've read most of what he's written. He's very good. In fact, up until he became, uh, you know, a famous, basically a a full-time writer, able to support himself with his writing, he was a wrestling coach and teacher for, like, 20 years before he really kind of, you know, hit it big. Yeah, and he... uh I saw he made a trip to the Hawkeye Wrestling Room, too. Oh, that's awesome. There. That yeah. was pretty neat. Yeah. My favorite book of his is A Prayer for Owen Meany. Sure, I've heard of it. Didn't have Like I said, I've just read that one, but I do need to read more because I yeah. really did enjoy it. Yeah, it's very good. It was very heartbreaking. I mean, a very sad book, a lot of sad parts. I mean, overall, not a sad book, but there's a lot of very jarring pieces right. of that book. Yeah. But just an excellent, excellent writer. Outstanding. And Kurt Vonnegut, I mean, can you imagine oh, yeah. Kurt Vonnegut I can't being imagine. your teacher? No. 
Yeah, that's <laughs> no surprise. One of my favorite. Sa- yeah, same. And no surprise that John Irving would turn out to be as well renowned and successful as he has become with that sort of mentorship. But that's what you get at the Iowa Writers Workshop. That's why it's known to be <laughs> the best around. Yep. All right, top five. Top five this week is top five soups. Number five is tortilla, specifically chicken tortilla soup. Yep. So number four is the old classic chicken noodle soup. Chicken and dumplings is good too. It is fantastic. Number three is potato. Potato soup. Love potato soup with little bits of bacon in it. Absolutely, we're on the same page. Number two is Wisconsin cheese soup. Uh, the Iowa River Power Company was a restaurant. I believe it's actually shut down just recently, unfortunately, but they had great Wisconsin cheese soup. And the number one, kind of similar to Wisconsin cheese, number one is broccoli cheddar soup. I'm not that big a fan of broccoli. I'm not either, but broccoli cheese soup? It's good. Fantastic. What did I miss? Any soups that you would put in your top five? You don't have to take one out, but just any that you would mention is... By the way, tomato, not a big fan of tomato soup. With grilled cheese, it's fine, but I still prefer chicken noodle soup with my grilled cheese. Well, my favorite has to be pasoli. Never even heard of it. Yeah, pasoli. It's a New Mexican dish. Ooh. You'll have to come over. Annie will make it. Sounds delicious. It's, it's got a little bit of spice to it then? Yeah, spicy green chili. Green chili. Oh, hell yeah. And hummy. And it's just absolutely fantastic. Green chili stew is fantastic. I love that too. And then the classic, so green chili, you know, with an E, mm-hmm. you know, New Mexico, and yeah. that's the best chili, Colorado chilies, Mexican, none of them are any good except for New Mexico. Oh, they're okay. But they're <laughs> right. They're not hatch green chilies. But then, you know, the, the chili that my mom used to make with beans and hamburger and tomatoes, just the, you know, basic Iowa chili. Yep. Chili is also fantastic. Yeah. It's just. But great. is chili a soup? Sure. It's a soup. I don't know. It seems like more of a stew almost, it. though. Oh, now I guess maybe you have a point. I'm not thinking of the differences between And there is also a huge difference between chilies because some people like it more soupy, you know, more of the tomato, you know, soup base. But I prefer my chili to be just not much actual water at all, you know, mainly just, yeah, chunks of beef and chilies and tomatoes and beans. Like, yeah, I just want... (laughs) Yeah, when I pick up that spoon, I want it to weigh something. Do you want kidney beans? It's sort of um, a tradition. Yeah, I mean, it doesn't. Black beans or kidney beans are fine. Yeah, I or both. Know. Yeah, I've never eaten kidney beans except in chili. Have you ever had navy bean soup? Oh, I love oh ham and beans. Ham and bean soup, that's one of my dad's favorite. But yeah. uh, we were just out to eat it's last night, beans. and navy bean soup was yeah. the soup of the day. And I've never had navy bean soup. That's but... fantastic. All right. Well, I'll try it next time. There's, Yeah, you have to try it. You'll just love it. There's so many. I mean, I think we needed like a top 12 or something. <laughs> but you picked some good ones. Uh, next week, we're going to do top five cereals. Is yeah. cereal a soup? <laughs> <No>. <laughs> No, there's some good cereals out there. I'm glad that you said that because I didn't know if you were a cereal guy or not. I think most people are, you know, have eaten cereal one time or another and have found themselves. Because I go in spurts. Sometimes I don't eat cereal for years and years, but then I get like addicted to it and just eat nothing but cereal for weeks at a time. Yeah, no, I don't eat much of it anymore, but I mean, I, at least I know some cereal. <laughs> Thank God. Some other there is no, wor- yeah, there is no Werther's original. You just absolutely have no idea right. what I'm talking about. Well, yeah, we'll look forward to that next week. Anything else uh, to add? It's been busy week. We've left some stuff on the cutting room floor and just more and more news all the time. Yeah, the only thing I'd mention is that you uh, uh, mentioned something that um, Dolan did at the uh, uh, for the Gazette. And, uh, uh, Dorman. Dorman, yep. sorry. That Dorman uh, did it, Todd Dorman did at the Gazette, and I'm joining um, him and Tom Barton, and I'm forgetting, oh, um, I'm forgetting some of the people, but um, Aaron Jordan, who's a fantastic egg reporter, so I mean, some of the people at the Gazette at Iowa Public Radio um, for Pints and Politics um, at a brewery, I'm forgetting, Big Grove. Okay. 
Thursday night. In um, Des Moines? No, or in Iowa City? In Iowa City. Yeah, yeah. And so that'll be fun Yeah, for pints and politics. That'll be a lot of fun, getting yeah. to chat with those people, because they know what the hell they're talking about. Yeah, Todd Dorman is, um, they're all remarkable. They really and, are. And I'm forgetting, uh, there's a younger columnist that's a conservative columnist that I, I'm forgetting her name right now, but so that'll be fun meeting her too. Yeah, we'll enjoy it. When is it again? It's Thursday night. Sure. So tomorrow, as people may be listening yeah. to this. And I can't remember if it's six or seven. Sorry about that. It just, when you mentioned We'll show up to Big Grove and have a pint and stick around and hear about some politics from people that know what they're talking about. Yeah, well, it's going to be fun. Yeah. Uh, also, make sure you subscribe to not just our Substack, Iowa Revolution, but also subscribe to Dr. Bob's Substacks. He's got Deep Midwest, which is politics and culture, kind of the same sort of content that you'll hear on the Iowa Revolution podcast, but obviously written and uh, a little bit more in-depth. And it's very it's always interesting to read Dr. Bob's perspective on the news. Then you also have Cedar Creek Nature Notes, which is the opposite. No politics, just walking around the woods and seeing all the sights and sounds. And learning. And learning. And healing. And you're learning, too. Because you're not necessarily a biologist, so you'll post sometimes and say, hey, biologist friends, <laughs> what is this spider, or yeah. what is this plant, or, so yeah, it's always kind of fun to... Yeah, and I've got, you know, a number of good professors around that comment, yeah. Peter Aldi at William Penn, Russ Benedict and Paul Wyhe at, at uh, Central College, and then there's just some good, oh, Larry Stone, you know, the magnificent nature yeah. writer. I mean, I'm, I'm lucky to have a lot of good people yeah. teaching me. You don't have to go far to find the answers, no. that's for sure. Uh, Dr. Bob, it's always a pleasure. Can't wait to get together next week. Looking forward to it.